0: Welcome back to Dateline New Haven on WNHA's New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make our community tick. Here's a new Havener who's making new Haven and Connecticut tick state treasurer, Eric Russell, the first new Havener in a statewide constitutional office since 1986. So you've been the state treasurer since January and how's it going so far?
1: Things are going well. Things are going well. We're settling in. Uh, we hit the ground running. Uh, we had a very smooth transition, uh, Thanks to, to Treasurer Wooden, and we've been able to, to really uh, get right to work. So excited about the opportunities. I think we're in a really good spot as a state to, to build on the success that we've had over the last several years um, and really position ourselves uh, to be in a different place uh, longer term.
0: Now, mostly that means you're managing state pensions and other investments, right, to get the highest return. And is that what you're talking about mostly? Are you having a new approach to how you're investing the money?
1: Certainly. I mean, w- well, it's it's certainly that. And one of the big pieces uh, on the pension fund side is in addition to the work that we're going to be doing to really just improve returns. It's also about uh, the fact that we've made these huge contributions to our pension funds over the last several years. And just so we, people
0: know about that, we had some of the highest, I'm not mistaken, per capita debt in our pension funds in the country because of decades yeah. and decades of politicians, from both parties not putting in realistic amounts, though, how it was going to cost. So the last bunch of years, especially with the rainfall of money of in the pandemic, really federal relief money, we've been paying down that pension. What does that look like, Eric? What? How much of a difference is that making? It's
1: huge because I mean, really, when you when you're paying more into our pension funds, what it also allows you to do is you're investing that, and that's growing over time as well. So in addition to kind of our required contributions over the last uh, several years, we've also made about six billion dollars in additional payments to our unfunded pension liabilities and. Uh, what we we're also do- doing is the legislature uh, just continued those guardrails that we've had in place, which ultimately, you know, a volatility cap, a revenue cap, and the commitment that when we have we have a full rainy day fund right now, those additional surpluses uh, that we've been able to, um, to realize as a state have gone into our pension funds. Uh, so can you just
0: explain just- that for our listeners? So what that means is that we have a rainy day fund means we set aside for emergencies, and we fully yep. funded ours, which is a good thing. And then and if we still have more money we are bringing in because revenues have been high because of trends in the economy or what years hedge fund owners are paying their taxes, you're saying that money's going into paying down tension. So do you have any kind of sense for the average person in Connecticut how much they're going to be saving over time because we made that extra $6 billion investment in the pension fund?
1: Yeah, it's huge. I mean, we're seeing on an annual basis about $500 million of savings annually as we're looking at our general fund from those additional contributions. And that. Again, that's on an annual basis, year over year. So it's it's a huge savings to our state. Um, and when I mentioned kind of the continuation of that on a bipartisan basis, we just passed uh, the continuation of those guardrails. So keep keeping uh, the kind of structure and mechanisms in place um, that will you know essentially require us to continue to pay down debt when we have these surpluses. So you know it's it's been a really big commitment on the part of the state, and I think it's huge because it really positions us. Um, in, a, in terms of addressing our overall fiscal health, which we've done, we've seen uh, several bond ratings in the last few years. Uh, bond rating increases. But it in also other words, the bond
0: rating is Connecticut is doing a better job of uh, managing of it its the, money so then we could borrow money for less of an interest rate.
1: Exactly, and it's because we've made these commitments to really addressing some of our structural and, and long-term issues. Um, but it also puts us in a position again in terms of in addition to addressing our you know immediate concerns and the kind of overall fiscal health, it allows us to make some of these longer-term investments uh, in our state as well. Which, so I hadn't thought
0: uh, of that before we came on. You were mentioning that once the state makes the decision to pay down the pension debt and put more money into the pension fund, you have more money to invest so that you're now on the on – the, uh, have the responsibility of investing that money well so we get further savings down the line. And absolutely. how are you – have you changed again, your strategy for that? Have you, have you changed the strategy or um, evolved the strategy of how you're investing that money?
1: So what what I'm really looking to do is to to help build a world class investment team uh, within our office. And we have some really uh, great talent. We want to make sure that we uh, have consistency there and that we're able to retain the talent that we have. Um, We also we have so much talent uh, investment expertise in the state of Connecticut. Um, And we, you know, so the treasurer's office works closely with the investment advisory council, uh, which really helps the treasurer's office um, set investment strategy and policy um and so we're seeking to make some legislative changes to really allow us to to bring in some great talent on the investment advisory council um so you know we're looking at this holistically we want to make sure that we are bringing the right talent in that we're building a culture of excellence um within our investment team so
0: eric russell state treasurer it sounds like you're saying more than like telling us which particular fund you're going to invest in or strategy we go to fixed assets or more speculative investments you're talking about Talent makes the difference, which is clearly what people think of the industry. They talk about David Swenson when he was the Yale investment officer and he had that like, you know, superhero team of talent. (laughs) So uh, so what is the legislative change you're seeking so that you can have a team of superheroes as well?
1: Yeah. So one is uh, with we call PFM as our investment team. So we have a bill um, addressing kind of the compensation structure um, and allowing us more flexibility within the PFM team to really. Uh, not only bring in great talent and attract great talent, but also to retain uh, that talent. And, in other words, pay look, them
0: more. We need to pay people well, more some to of keep it. them. I
1: mean, we are we haven't been as competitive salary-wise as a lot of uh, places across the country, and we're not looking to you know, set the top of the market in terms of compensation, but we want to make sure we're able to bring the right people in and keep them. Well, the but idea is that if is, you
0: spend another $50,000 on a person, that might save you $50 million, correct, if they know how to do business? Right. I
1: mean, absolutely, right? And, and it, one of the big things that we know is that continuity within a pension fund and, and having uh, the right people stay on board is uh, there's very close correlation between that and returns at the end of the
0: day. Um, and I think about David, work- and I wonder when you want to attract people, I guess they got to look at this young state treasurer who believes so much in what he's doing. You got to inspire them, right? Because no matter how much we pay him, a hedge fund is going to pay him more. So, like David Swenson always talked about that. I remember talking to him, he was the late investment advisor at Yale, who basically is our generation's most successful public interest investor for universities and he was driven so much by a calling and he communicated to all those people went on to run other university, um, hedge, uh, investment arms, which is that, was, that yeah. when you, you know, you might make more on wall street. David Swenson could have been a, a multi, multi, multimillionaire rather than just wealthy, but he felt I, I'm fine being wealthy because instead of ultra wealthy, because I'm keeping knowledge alive, I believe in the mission of universities. I believe that these dollars we make with our investments are going to, Keep the pursuit and quest of knowledge alive and make the world a better place. How do you, how do you embody or express that same mission for you when you're talking to this team you're trying to retain?
1: No, I think that's exactly right. Is is what is at the core of the work that we're doing is a commitment to public service, and the the talent that we're looking to attract are folks that could be working in a lot of different spaces, right? Um, but I think it's one having uh, a very clear vision on what we're trying to do um, and the mission that is ultimately about. Uh, really, improving the lives of residents of our state um, and and making that commitment and I think building a team where people are excited about the work they're doing they enjoy the people they're working with and I think we've made some really great strides on that front in terms of building uh, the team out and so you know part of this bill and the legislation is to help us uh, you know it, it's attracting talent it's also building people up within the organization and you know one example of that is we have a great analyst. Um, who started as an intern in the office and she's worked her way up. And so having some more flexibility to kind of provide this, this step ladder for her to continue to work up within uh, the office, you know, I, that's uh, a part of, you know, it's a component of the bill as well. So uh, we're excited about the opportunities. I think we're really in a place for uh, us as a state to make some, some huge drives, uh with the commitment uh, from the governor and the legislature in addressing a lot of these uh you no know, really long term and structural challenges that we've had.
0: So Eric, when you came in, you had a surprise your very first week on the job, probably, which was that there was this incredible expose in the Connecticut Mirror about how your predecessor basically had his knees cut off by his own party. The legislature passed the bill, so it became a law, that your office was supposed to administer a new program to deal with the racial wealth gap. It was called Baby Bonds. And for about 15,000 kids a year born into Husky, we were going to take just $3,200 when they're born, Mm -hmm. invest it for them. You were going to invest it, talking about mission-based investing. So when they're 18, when it's worth, let's say, $11,000, they'll have some money to get a start on life that other people get when they're born into wealthier families, whether that's to buy a home, go to college, start a business. But the Democratic governor opposed the law, but it was a law, and he signed it. And, the, and all these emails discovered by Connecticut Mirror was they were, like, viciously undercutting the program. They were making sure that even though it passed into law, it would never be funded, and hasn't for years. And they even said something kind of insulting to you when uh, you said in the campaign trail that you're for baby bonds. The chief of staff of the, of the Lamont administration made a joke, baby bonds will fix that. LOL. Meaning, like, Eric Russell thinks he's going to come in and carry out a law that was passed. To help address international wealth he'll see what happens when he gets in how did that feel and how are you doing
1: so i, I will tell you i mean i i don't uh i'm not one to feed into the the gossip or the uh, yeah. back and forth um i came in uh, as i talked about on the campaign trail completely committed to this cause um and we have worked diligently since coming in to make sure that the program is ready to implement on july 1st when it is uh, set to to start uh, we have been working very closely with the governor's office and the administration um, and the legislature to make sure that we have all of the pieces in place uh, to implement the program. Um, and the the main, the main, only thing that's really being held up right now is the funding. Um, and I will say we've had very productive conversations. Um, I came into this looking at it as I'm um, starting with the clean slate. Um, I don't know everything that's happened or what all the dynamics there were uh, prior to me coming in. But. Uh, as I said, you know, I, I've had conversations with the governor. We've been working closely with the administration, making sure that the program is ready to implement. Um, I know one of the major um, kind of hurdles was that there was some opposition to funding the program through bonding. And uh, We have been looking at a host of different ways to fund the program, uh, you know, through. I thought that's what the legislature
0: approved, though, that it'd be funded through it bonding. Is,
1: it is. And but again, I came into this with, with uh, the idea that, I'm having an open mind as to how we get there, and so, so you don't care where the money us, comes from.
0: you just care that the program starts and it gets funded
1: well, and I want to make sure that we're we're funding the program in a way that's going to be most cost effective and that's going to uh, ultimately you know make sure that we're able to deliver and so, um, you know, I again, we've been working very closely with the legislature. There is still a ton of support for the program, and I think we are going to be uh, we are going to be successful in making sure that we stay on target with that July 1st implementation date. So uh, Eric, are you saying that you
0: think it might not have to go on the bond agenda? Have you identified alternative sources of funding for this?
1: Yeah, we're open to uh, many different sources of funding or some uh, combination of of funding sources. And that's, uh, those are conversations that we're having now, uh, both with the legislature and the governor's office. And so, you know, I I will just say, you know, I, I feel very confident in the ability to, um, to work collaboratively to get this done um, and this is a huge opportunity for us as a state i mean as i mentioned before we've made this progress in terms of addressing our overall fiscal health um, but we also have many of these structural issues that are still there in terms of you know one of the largest wealth gaps uh, in the state and um, you know racial and generational inequality and this is a direct opportunity to understanding that, that this is a piece of the puzzle it's not the solution by itself but to make some of these long-term investments um, in really providing more equity and opportunity in our state. And, you know, in this seat, it's um, somewhat uniquely positioned in thinking about the long-term future of our state, not just about kind of our investments, our decision-making on an annual basis. And as you
0: said, you come in fresh, you're someone no one's angry at, has any prior fights with, you can take it fresh. Have you identified a specific funding source that you can name separate from bonding, to get the $50 million you'll need this year to get it going?
1: So I think there's several things that we're looking at, and I don't want to uh, kind of narrow it down to anything because I think these are the conversations that we're having. But I think looking at several different uh, types of revenue streams where we could be funding uh, all or a portion of the program out of the general fund, I think there are other ways to potentially bond this that are not just general obligation bonds um, that are sitting on the state's debt. And so, again, I think some combination of the program. I think there's also rather with set up right now where we're funding the program over 12 years, um, $50 million a year. Um, in bonding, I think there's ways that we could probably do it a little bit more efficiently by funding more of the program up front, which at the end of the day may save, you know, we're talking about a $600 million program. If you're, if you're funding more of that upfront, you might be funding this program for four or 500 million um, at the end of the day. So I think, again, we're keeping an open mind. We'll, uh, excited to be working collaboratively with the legislature and the governor's
0: office on this sounds Uh, like very creative sounds like very creative thinking and I'm not gonna push you any farther on it because you got some (laughs) negotiating to do and I'm wondering if if you'll come back after July 1st and tell us how you got it over the goal line
1: I'm happy to you know I'm always happy to come on and see you Paul
0: well it's always a pleasure to talk to Eric Russell he's our hometown guy up there at the Capitol first constitutional officer from New Haven since 1986. And he's thinking in the long term with baby bonds and the state's pension, debt, and and funding for the future. Eric, thank you for joining us on Dateline New Haven.
1: Thank you, Paul. Happy to be here.
0: And we're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic Experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. And we'll be back in an hour with Mike Lawler. We'll have some other insights about criminal justice and and state politics. This is Paul Bass, wishing inviting you to fly free with us all day and all night on WNHH. New Haven's home for community radio.